This is a moment in wine and hip hop, brought to you by Crew Love, blending wine and hip hop at the highest level. Wine and hip hop, wine and music. Tell me up, know what it is. Check this out. Oh yeah, you'll be the life of the party. Wine and hip hop really mirrors the the conversations that we have in my office about wine and music. Yeah, what's good, y'all? It's your man, Jermaine Showtime Stone, a.k.a. The Wolf of Wine, a.k.a. The Zara Vibes, a.k.a. Young Thanos. I'm just out here collecting Infinity Stones. That's right. (laughs) I have an amazing, amazing talent here with me. I have Summer Altis. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, my gosh, man. I'm, I'm ecstatic. It's not every day that I meet someone with more slashes in their name than me. <laughs> like, I got a lot of you, slashes. In you my got name. a lot of slashes, like Playboy Playmate, yep. sommelier, yep. podcast host. Yep. And we're, we're going to take, during the course of the show, we're going to go through each one of those phases. Okay, <laughs> so let's do please, it. Please bear with us. Yeah. Um, but but no, I, I got to say, you take the cake, man. Like, you must be like a, a hit at dinner parties. I feel like just because I got so much shit going on <laughs> in my life, like when I go to dinner parties, people just like sick the claws in and it's like, you know, you're talking yeah. about what you do all the time. So how did you get into the wine business? You know, it was really um, sort of, I wouldn't say by accident, but it really was just a natural progression for me. I've been an actress and model and playmate. Uh, you know, there's a lot of dead time between commercials or movies or, you know, you're auditioning all the time, but you're not necessarily working all the time. So I started, you know, really kind of feeling like I need my creative juices weren't really flowing. I wasn't creating anything. I wasn't learning. Um, I just kind of was at a point in my life where I I wanted a little bit more. And I think I had just turned, I was about to turn 35. So I was like 34, uh, 33, 34. So I was like, okay, well, we're, we're getting there in the age. We gotta, let's have something to fall back on. You know, I, I went to college. I played volleyball in college. So I was a college athlete. I did finish because I had an, a career ending injury. So I never finished college. But these days, d- this day and age, you don't really need, need college to hang that thing on the wall and say, I'm successful because yeah. college doesn't really measure success anymore. Uh, things have changed drastically in that. Dramatically. Matter. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I just, I kind of, I wanted to feel like I was putting my energy into something besides just acting granted, you know, acting classes and staying up in it, but it wasn't doing it for me. So I had gone to Napa to go on a trip to see my friend Armin that lives up there. He at the time was working at, um, Eller's estate as a national sales director. And I went up to visit him and we'd been friends for almost 20 years. And, um, he basically was like, Hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to go, um, going to go around and you know we'll taste wine and we'll do all these great things and I was like okay cool and I just got bit by this bug mm. and I always love wine I love drinking wine but there was something that made me kind of come alive up there and I remember sitting we were at Hourglass and Jeff who's the owner of Hourglass we were sitting in the cave he came down and was tasting wine with us and he's like you know you you have a really good knack for conversation and very personable and you know, you do really well in the wine industry. Like we need more strong <laughs> women um, in the wine industry. And I said, I never even in a million years would think that. So he's like, take a couple classes and see how you like it. So I did, I came back to LA. I enrolled in the UCLA extension wine program. And I thought I was just going to take the one class. I ended up going straight through all eight classes in like <laughs> six months, getting my degree there. And then I wanted to become certified um, but I wasn't looking at becoming a sommelier in a restaurant. I was looking more for wine industry based. And so I did my research and I thought the WSET was going to be a way better educational process for me because um, it's really, it's a lot of curriculum. It's a lot of not self-study. So right. I'm not very disciplined person when it comes to that. <laughs> like I need to be in a class. <laughs> Don't give me like relate. things to learn and say, have at it. <laughs> give me the book give me the things I need to make cue cards on like that's how I study so um so yeah so I I enrolled in WSET I skipped all the way to level three um because I based on my prior you know knowledge that and curriculum that I had and then I spent you know a good six months 
in WSET three, really learning that. And I think I studied a good 20 to 30 hours a week. It's really comprehensive. I mean, it's, it's as if not even a little bit more on the theory side, uh, co coincides with quartermasters. Right. Um, so, you know, but there is a lot more information because not only you don't need to know producers as much as you do in being, uh, you know, quartermasters, but the theory based part of it, you have to know everything from, you know, what are the German Bayerich levels of predicate levels right. <laughs> and just have all these crazy random things that you need to know. And then there's essays and it's multiple choice. And then there's, it was a very, very, um, and there's blind tasting. So then you, you have to blind wines. So there was so many components to the test. And I remember walking out of there going, I fail. Totally fail. <laughs> Cause I'm so like, I, I don't realize how much I actually retain and that I need to trust my instincts more because it's up there and right. I'm, I've got it. It's an instinct. Um, it's an instinct. Yeah. And I ended up passing with merit. So it was a high, <sighs> one of the highest scores. Look at that. I'm, I'm <laughs> so telling I'm like, you. Okay. Buy books. Now it's time. <laughs> uh, now it's time to, really kind of get my hands dirty and I didn't really know where I wanted to go I, I knew I wasn't always wanting to be in a restaurant but I knew that I needed some of that experience because I really wanted to work with clients that and and, and do pri like private consulting private seller management I had met um one of my clients now as I was finishing um my degree up my certification and he said you know what do you want to do and I said well I'm not even really sure yet so like, well I need some wine and for my new house in Austin. So why don't we start there and look, and, and then let me know what you think. I was like, okay. And then, um, another one of my clients I met through mutual friends and they have a seller. So I just, I kind of said, okay, I think this is what I want to do. But in the meantime, between all that, I did get a job working, um, in like wine director slash sommelier for the Hwood group in Los Angeles. Mm. And so I really got a very, 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 um, quick introduction to hospitality. And, uh, I worked at a restaurant with a lot of people know, especially in the hip hop world, it's frequented by many hip hop stars called Delilah. Ah. And so <laughs> that was wine service essentially till 10 o'clock at night. And then we looked to bottle service. And then it gets lit. Yeah. Uh, or there'd be nights that Drake would come in. We'd have to like it gets lit and then it's, right. it's going to like three in the morning or like the Kardashians and like it was a hot spot and it was constant turning covers, constant turning tables. Um, you know, it was very fast pace. Uh, and there would be nights like Jay-Z and Beyonce came in one night and we got the memo that they were coming in and they were going to be in the PDR. And I said, well, I don't have any truce, but I know what he likes to drink. So I went and I went to all my suppliers and right. I was like, I need this, I need this, I need this, and I need this. And I just had them lined up. And she wasn't drinking because I think she was under the weather. So she was just drinking like mint tea. But I went in there and like lined him up and he was like, <laughs> so, you know, I was like, <laughs> you know, yeah. I do what I do. <laughs> you know, I, I ask, <laughs> I do my research. But yeah, and I think he ended up um, drinking a Rousseau that night, mm. which is. Um, I, I know Hove likes his burgundy, burgundy you know, Hove, Hove, Hove likes the burgundy. He seems you know, like, like a Rouleau type of guy to me, you know, like I remember yeah. um, <clears throat> Jay-Z actually really inspired so much of wine and hip hop, you know, because it was when I heard him mention Petrus um, in like early 2000s and I was like, yo, he gets it. Like he he's one of the, he's one of those ones. <laughs> But that that must be crazy exactly. for you. Like you really, really got your hands dirty on all levels. Like, did the yeah, wine I mean, industry kind of like meet your expectations for what what you thought it would be you like? Know, I, I've been really lucky that I I early on I had clients that high net worth individuals that um, really trusted that I knew what I was doing um, probably more than I did, <laughs> and really they had a lot of belief in me. I'd have Jet, like conversations. And I also, sometimes I think you just need someone to take a chance on you. Um, and I'm, and I'm very driven and I'm a perfectionist and very OCD. So what I do for my clients matches my personality perfectly because <laughs> I will go in and I will completely organize their sellers. I, I go in, I map the seller out and I start with white, it's whites and reds. So the sellers split. And then I go by region and like Bordeaux, Burgundy, I don't go down into like cruise or, um, 
you know, smaller parcels. It's just Burgundy, Bordeaux. And I usually go alphabetically. Right. Um, Brunellos, things like that. Uh, and so I will go in and map everything out and everything will get put all the way around. And then I will go through and it'll be like column one to like 110 right to left or left to right. And then top to bottom, it'll be A to double Z. Mm. Or I'll do from the bottom up. And most Mostly the younger stuff goes to the top and the older stuff is down at the bottom. So it's a quicker pull. Right. And then I barcode everything. So a lot of my clients, most of my clients have estate managers. So if they're not at one house, they're at another, or if they're out of town working or traveling, they have the estate manager that manages the house. So a lot of my clients, I deal with their estate managers quite, quite a lot. I'll get a phone call. We're going to Hawaii for a month. We, we, I want three boxes of wine. Okay. What boxes, what do you want to take? And it won't, uh, just my clients just got back from that trip. It was, they wanted one case of Burgundy, one case of California Pinot Mm. and one case of whites (laughs) mixed. So I go into their seller tracker and I will pull and I will curate what they're taking on their trips. And because everything has its, you know, this is in 97 K and this is in 42 J I will make a list and the estate managers then can pull all the wines and take the tags off and drop them in the little dish. And then every month I'll go around and each of my clients will get inventory done once a month where I will take the, I will unscan all those bottles out of inventory and put anything new away that has to be put away. So it really makes it very seamless and easy for them because if they wanted to go and find a bottle, it's right there in their their app. Exactly. But more, more than, more, more times than not, it's just, they go and grab a bottle and they just take the tag off. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times, you know, I'm actually been working with this company. A lot of times that will be like, someone said, well, why don't you put the tags on the bottle? I said, because they're not throwing the bottles away and the housekeepers aren't keeping the bottles. They're not like, they're not thinking about that. So the easiest thing is let's get it done before it crosses the plane of the wine cellar. Right. And so when I was working in a restaurant, I really had to be very organized because you have limited space. And so um, I have this really great system that I've been using with my clients. And I'm, I'm tr- I've been working with this company uh, very recently called Inventory. Um, and they are trying to revolutionize the seller management, you know, app. And so um, I had a lot of kind of, I've been working with their app and kind of playing with it to try and give them some feedback. Because mm. for what I do barcoding is just the easiest thing and you don't want to put barcodes on the bottles like i said because then it means you have to scan it as you're taking it out and my clients aren't yes yeah, scanning anything out <laughs> on their phone or their app the simplest thing is just take, take the tag off the top it's like the little the little shipping tag with a rubber band on it i match usually it's either craft paper light paper or i'll custom order things so it matches with the aesthetic mm, and yeah it's, clutch the it's great I, I i have about probably six Six million? Yes. It's about six million under management right now. Of oh wine. my gosh. Yo, so yeah. I, I, I know. it's funny. And like I when I was just sell sell a bunch. <laughs> it's funny. So um when I was reading your bio, I'm like, yo, I know that there's some similarities. I come from the auction industry. So I used right. my back end is in logistics. So you just described my whole life. You don't even understand the pain yep. that I, I can relate to <laughs> through that because yeah, and I like, hate Excel. I hate it. Oh my gosh, I hate yeah, using it's it. Tough. I can't. Someone goes, well, why don't you just put it on an Excel spreadsheet? Because I would rather swallow poison. <laughs> <laughs> people don't people don't people don't get how detailed that process is. I remember um like there was one guy, this dude, he bought randomly. We didn't know him, came out of nowhere. He spent a million dollars at one auction. Boom. One day they had to like look him up to figure out if this was legit or whatever. But, um, yeah. you know, I flew out. Be, like that was how we really um, focused. That was the level of service that we offered. I flew out to organize right. his seller for him because of the size of the purchase that he made. <laughs> right. But people don't understand that side of the business. That's why I thought like, you know, what you do is so cool. Like, when you were coming in, most people don't even understand that that side of the industry exists. Um, right. When you were coming in, what what about that attracted you the most? 
Well, I'm, like I said, I'm not a young 20 year old, some fresh on the scene. So for me working in a restaurant in the hustle and bustle of being up until two, three in the morning, it just, yeah. I, I did it for eight months and it was just I'm like, nah, I'm over that. <laughs> done. No, find me something else. But I really loved that. I had the experience because I do truly believe that you cannot call yourself a sommelier if you haven't experienced the hospitality side. That's a fact. Of being a sommelier pouring dinners, service, champagne, all of, you have to know how to work a table. Yeah. And also you also have to know how to sell a bottle of wine to someone that doesn't think that they want that wine and do it in a way that makes them go, Oh, I'd love to try that. Yeah. Try it. So I, think that I took a lot of my knowledge from, from, from that, from that side of the industry and brought it into the fact that I'm very comfortable around high net worth and net worth individuals um, and the entertainment industry kind of was a four way to that. Uh, I've been around celebrities and, you know, producers and, and entertainment industry for so long that I was mm -hmm. very, I'm very comfortable in those settings. Um, mm -hmm. and I also think that, you know, as a woman, uh, I, I don't want to take away from any of the guys that do what I do, but as a woman, I think, um, the thing that makes my business a lot more fun is I connect, believe it or not, with the wives a lot more. I, I, you know, I'm doing a, I'm doing a dinner with, um, one of my clients, uh, for, for one of my clients' wives and all her friends, girls, wine night dinner, we're doing old world versus new world Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. And, you know, he had a big dinner for an auction that he did. And it was all these collectors and it was very, very fun. I mean, we drank there, <laughs> we drank wines. I'm, I'll never be able to drink if I, unless I'm with these clients. Right. Right. But I think she was a little, well, I, I want a dinner too. So I'm planning this dinner for her and it, you know, and I love making sure that the, you know, wives are included. What do you like to drink? What would you like me to put in the cellar? Cause nine times out of 10, the collector is their husband. Right. Um, except for one of my clients, uh, who's a bigger collector. She's a bigger collector than her husband. So, um, I just, I think it just has to do with being comfortable in that setting. There are some people that are uncomfortable or can, can get a little, um, nervous in settings like that around right. celebrities, around high net worth individuals. Um, and I think that it's just something that I'm comfortable with and that makes my job very much easier, but also I, I enjoy, I really enjoy it. I, 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 there's some really great perks of what I do. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Listen, this is, this is why I stayed. <laughs> the wine, the wine kept I mean, me, I gotta case, say. Case in point, two years ago, I got to take one of my clients and six of the CEOs from companies he owns to Bordeaux. And I planned that trip and we did lunch at Oprion, lunch at Cheval Blanc, tasting at Petrus Ozone with Pauline Vauthier herself. Mm. Uh, it was one of those pinch me moments. And I'm about to have another pinch me moment in the next month. I'm my clients, uh, the Wades. Uh, I planned this amazing trip for them to Burgundy mm. and uh, I get to go. Oh, that's so crazy. So, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that. Like, so that amazing dinner that um Dwayne mm -hmm. that the Wade's had um yeah. you put that you together come to the next one listen you now you got my I'm I'm gonna send you my info you know no you gotta come out for the next one we're gonna do them in the fall we're gonna do a couple more in the fall we're looking to do possibly one with Opus uh and then we you know we may do a, a couple a different kind of like old world new world style and have a, a few different producers yeah um but it's the wine with the waves is going to be a hat it's going to be a thing we're going to continue, be the th continue to do this listen it was, it was such a great dinner you say when my plane ticket is purchased within 24 <laughs> hours <laughs> Done. <laughs> oh, man. yeah you know they're they're just really they're really great people to work for um they're not only are they as incredible as they appear to be, they are that they're just incredible human beings. They're great people. They have a great marriage. Uh, they have incredible friends and family around them that are very supportive. That keeps them very grounded and down to earth. Mm. Um, they support the causes that are nearest and dear to them. And um, I think, especially in the black community, they're pioneering uh, the entrepreneurship of For being sure. in. Yeah. And, and I think that, um, you know, branching out how they both are, but they still have this love for wine and it's just so great. Um, and it's real. It's real. I, I feel like there's so many people that get into wine because it looks really cool. And don't get me wrong. The cool factor exists. It's cool to want to look cool, but 
you know, there's a point when, you know, that goes away. And, you know, I think Dwayne Wade is someone that has really, really um, showed his love for wine. Like, and look at what it's doing in the NBA. Like, you know, these guys like these were coaching yeah. the younger dudes and bringing them along. I mean, it's just right. the world is changing, man. Like when um, when I was coming up in wine, it was not like this at all. Right. <laughs> like, well, you know, I also feel like I also feel like that. I appreciate that the, and, and I and I can't because I'm not from the community, but I can see from my side, I think that it's great that the black community is embracing wine in a way that it feels like it's not far away. It used exactly. to feel like, and I can say this because I'm a woman, the wine industry was always very, very male dominated. Yeah. Very male dominated, very white male dominated, yeah. <laughs> older, always felt stuffy. But really, there's been this kind of comeuppance in the last few years with the women uh, emerging, saying no to certain things and you can't treat us this way or the shakeup with the court of masters or, you know, the non-diversity in the court of masters. And, and, you know, there's really been some pioneers in the wine industry. I think Carlson McCoy is right. a perfect example. Um, as well as, you know, Dwayne, he not only is a proprietor and ha- makes his own wine, but he also loves collecting and he just loves learning about wine and, and the inclusivity that comes with it. Right. Uh, and I think that that is starting to change. There's these voices that are, that are kind of coming out and being heard, you included, that are saying you can enjoy wine, but you don't have to be a billionaire to be on this level. It, right. it, it, it's made it such a, the playing field much more inclusive. And I think that the last four years have just been incredible in the wine industry. I'm really glad to have seen all this change. No, it's true. It's true. So we got it. We got into your wine uh, background a little bit. We have to introduce because we got two audiences here. We got a wine and a hip hop crowd. So we got to get the hip hop audience acclimated here. So I ask every guest this. Now, if you could pick a rapper that embodied your style and your spirit and your energy, what rapper would that be? So who is your rap spirit animal? Well, I have two. Two is great. I have two. Listen, I can't. Q- I, I got a couple sides. Oh, Q-Tip. <laughs> I love so, it. So Tribe Called Quest was an album that when I grew up, I remember having a tape deck and recording songs and then rewinding them and replaying them and writing all the lyrics down and wanting to memorize. Why was that a lyrics. thing back in the day, writing the lyrics down and mm-hmm. memorizing them? Because <laughs> then you would like bring your tape, you bring your cassette tape like after school and you would like rap and like you would sing along and be like, oh, you heard this song, this new song. And I remember doing that with the Diggable Planet song that we, um, I'm cool like that. I'm cool yeah. like that. I'm down like that. I snap like that. We out. We out. We out. I remember wanting as soon as that song. Yeah, we out. As soon as that song came out, I'm like, I have to know every word to this song. But I just love, I love Tip. I think he has this beautiful calmness about him. My nigga spirit be talking to me, let me explain. Not through evil mediums, tarot cards, or Ouija games, but through mixing chords and boards and even drum machines. He be saying, nigga, fuck the boys, keep repping queens. And he'll be taking slack from these not rapping niggas, man. That intellectual shit you spit, you better change your plan. Especially when you see them at the lobby of a label and they don't seem able to outstretch their hands and admit their fans. You better flame them in the J's that they standing in. Ostracize their memory for not remembering. The articles reduce their body parts to particles. And does the Dead Sea with their cremated molecules? I'm leaving. I've been able to interview him uh, for a Playboy blog that I did years ago. Back when I was still DJing, I did DJ for oh, like oh, six we, oh, years. Oh, that, that, that's that, that, that's a section in here. We're gonna get into <laughs> your DJ. <laughs> that's important. That's important. Yeah. I, <laughs> so I've just always been. I, I love hip hop music. I've never been a house music person. Um, you know, I, I'll listen to everything but house music. I like country music. I love R&B music um, and disco music, but I'm just not a house <laughs> music person. I never have been. It's just, it's like, it's like nails on a blackboard. You don't like that. Um, and with that. yeah, I started DJing because there were no Playboy Playmate DJs in the world that were able to have the backing and support of Playboy. 
and so I got to DJ in my bunny costume uh, officially all around the world for Playboy. And I had residencies at like Oro and like uh, in Vegas, I had residence. Um, and I, I was also a woman in an emerging world. This is right before like Paris started DJing and like yeah. there was another, another man's world. I feel like I just keep going into these men's world. Like, hi. I mean, yeah. you, you clearly comfortable <laughs> where you need to be comfortable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, so I, I really hip hop for me, I, like back to your question, I would say like Q-tip, He's definitely one of my spirit animals, not just his longevity, his honesty. Mm. Um, he, as a producer, as a writer, as a singer, a creator, um, he's just always been, I feel like, on the moment. And just his history and the albums that they created. And then Seriously. when he went solo and I just... Yeah, I just feel like, and then when he talks, he's so on, he's so educated and he's so smart and he's so, so brilliant when it comes to talking about political issues, social issues, issues in the music industry. Um, so I think that, you know, he's got this old soul about him that I think that I have, I've always felt like I was an old soul a little bit. So I connect, I think, with his being able to wear many hats. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, you, you definitely. Is one, and then if I were to like, yeah, if I were to have a like badass like girl moment, I would say attitude wise, where I would want to be, I would want her to be my spirit animal. I would, I would just have to say Cardi B, Cardi B, Cardi B. I hear shots coming on the low from hoes I'm hiding. This attention is so flattering because they admire it. Don't know what's on their mind, but it should be the timing. If the AARP or this AR gets me, the diamonds is choking me, they put in the potpourri, these bitches is 0-3, and, and they in the lower league, all in my ovaries. I just think, I love how completely herself she is, and it's endearing to see someone that says, this is who I am, you either like me or you don't, but I'm still gonna do me, and I'm yeah. still gonna live my life, and I'm still gonna be happy, and I think that seeing her kind of her success and her grow into the artist that she is and what she's doing in the space. Um, and then now she's doing a little acting here and there. I yeah. think that like, I love musicians that are who know who they are to the point that no matter what you say about them, it's not going to, it's not going to deter them from being who they are. They're not going to conform. They're not the pop star that's been manufactured and cookie cuttered. She's who she is. And I think that, she's really paved the way for her own type of female empowerment and saying, you can be this way, you can wear these things. Like don't let society tell you that you have to be a certain way. So I think that she, I just think that she would be a fun person to have a glass of wine with. <laughs> <laughs> for real. Yo, she's so dope. I love, I love Cardi B. See, like, I'm telling you, you and I relate on so many different levels. Cardi B is definitely one of my favorite rappers. We both from the Bronx. And I agree with you. I love her authenticity. Like her it's, authenticity is yeah. like, there's not a lot of people that can walk in the room and be that comfortable from day one. Like this woman came from yeah. love and hip hop. Like, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. so I give her, I give her her respect and she, she's official. And I love yeah. that you mentioned Q-Tip's production skills. People don't talk about the fact that Q-Tip is an amazing producer. Like One Love by Nas, oh. produced by Q-Tip. You know, mm -hmm. that's like one of the hardest records ever produced. And there was this mm -hmm. other um, song that he, he'd um, done a couple years ago for Pusha T called um, Fila. And it's probably one of the, you should definitely look it up if you haven't heard it. It is one of the best instrumentals okay. I've ever heard in my entire life. Like Q-Tip is a genius on a different yeah, level. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. He's genius yeah. on a and different level. And he's a dope DJ. Also, he has, yeah, exactly. And that's what we kind of connected on was I was DJing and I was doing this blog for Playboy and I was interviewing DJs. And mm. then it was like, and, and artists. And we had a mutual friend who passed away a few years ago, our friend Gary Harris, um, at, who was a legend in the um, hip hop world himself. Mm -hmm. And he passed away um, suddenly and tragically, but that's how we connected. Tip did that. We got connected because of Gary. And he was like, you know, 
another person I got connected with Gary, um, with because of Gary was Brian Koppelman who writes the show billions. And so uh. there were a couple, yeah. So there, and I, and I would always like hit him up and say, I love the wine. Like how you like one of the episodes, his house wine is 98 O'Brien. I saw and that. I was yeah. Like, well done on that. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I agree you with you. Remember I, that? I, I he love. Like goes and he throws them. Yeah, I love when um they get it right in movies. Like when you see it, like oh yeah, we drinking like some Pappy Van Winkle tonight. Like oh shit, okay, you get it, you right? get it. <laughs> oh man, but um, so what does a, a summer Altus party sound like? Oh, like, like my party or like a wine party I throw. Oh, well, a party that you're DJing. Yo, oh, dude, okay. I'm, yo, we got to do an event, yo. Oh, my gosh. You got to, like, DJ yeah. something mm-hmm. and curate the oh, wine list. I would have to dust off my turntables and get back into it because I don't think I've opened Serato in a good four years. Listen. My turntables are in the, in storage, in their road cases. <laughs> we could we could go back I feel like it's forth. like walking a bike, you know, like, like riding a bike. It'll come back, but... Yeah. And another thing that I was really, that kind of got pushed me out is, excuse me, I loved the feel of record. So I would use control Serato control records on turntables, but Mm. everywhere was moving to CDJs because they were better. You could spill things on them and it would be fine. Like it just clubs were just not doing turntables anymore. So it was like, if I wanted turntables at some places, I had to care, like bring them myself. And it just became and I never, re- I never learned how to DJ on CDJs. Mm. I only ever really knew on records. So, and because it really DJing with records is such a dying, you know, unfortunately, it's such a a dying trade. I know, uh, I know. Find a record store. The re- they out, they out there, they out there. You know, <laughs> um, um, but no, you middle music- of nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> you a music fiend like me though, man. It is great to see that. You know, um, so who are you listening to right now? Like mm-hmm. what, what artists are. So are I believe it or not, um, I've been sort of getting into some country. My, I was, I know it's really weird. It's not no. hip hop. It's cool. It's cool. But, um, and then, you know, I love Megan Stallion's album. I think mm. it's like, you, if you want to hype yourself up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you want to like, and then, and Doja Cat. I, I know she's not yeah. big hip hop, but she does a lot of collaborations with hip hop uh you know artists nah Doja Cat is lit I like her not one song of hers I don't like it's like I I just and she's so creative um you know and I I kind of always go to you know I gotta love Drake (laughs) I mean like put it on at the gym (laughs) I've had I've had this argument before like I've called Drake our generation's Michael Jackson I have just because like He's so prolific. You know, when you think about. Yeah. He's been doing this for such a long time. His style, he can basically rap in, you know, any regional style. Um, and, you know, he can also do R&B. You know, I mean, the, yeah. the his stage show is amazing. I, I, I give him his props. Like, I just think that. And the reason I compare him to Michael Jackson is because you know, aside from being so prolific, but it, it's going to take a long time for there to be another Drake, you yeah, know, oh, and, he, you know, and he loves wine too. And he so loves his wine. That. He visits Wally's a lot. Shout out to my man, Christian. Shout out to Jeff, everybody yeah, over there. He does visit. <laughs> well, I would, I would, get him a lot of wine when he would come into Delilah. So yeah, <laughs> one of their favorites, one of their favorites that they like drinking, um, the guys that would order, they would order 2007 Alzer- Quintarelli Alzero. Really? That was one of their their wines that they like to drink. Wow, you would never know. You would never you think. I right? tell yeah, and you, that 07 too. So <laughs> <laughs> now you also host the Women Wine and Weed podcast. Three I of do. my favorite things in the world. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, what? what yeah, we're got on a you... we're on a break right now. Okay. What What got you into podcast? Summer break. Well, you know, one of my good my podcast partner, Alicia, she has a really successful podcast about acting called That One Audition, and she's I think on a couple hundred episodes now. And she'll sit down with an actor and they'll talk about the one audition that either they thought ruined their career or made their career, things like that. And, you know, 
we, it was during quarantine and we were doing weekly FaceTimes with our group and we would be drinking. And I'm like, we need to do a show about like wine and weed. And she was like, I already have this idea. Let's sit down and talk about what this would look like. And then I went to my friend, Kevin Connolly, who has Action Park Media Group, his podcast, whole production company. And I said, do you want to maybe see how this would work? So he's like, yeah, let's get in the studio. And it was still 2020. So we were still in, you know, very much quarantining, having, you know, to wear masks everywhere and it being a little, so September when it's kind of eased up a little bit, mm-hmm. we started recording. And so I was just calling friends and people in the wine industry, like, do you want to do the show? Do you want to do the show? And it was cool because, so these glasses, so Grossel glass, um, who I'm, I love these glasses. I get them for all my clients. Um, I call them the Zalto killers. They gave me a bunch of glasses, uh, to use in a studio. And for anyone that came in, they got, they got a glass. And then my friend Kevin at Liquid Asset Cellars, he's got a bunch of wine cellars that he um, that I could pull wine from. So it became, I said, well, we have the wine. Well, let's get the weed. And then um, <laughs> I got really, really, really obsessed with this weed drink called Can. And I connected with a couple of the investors. And so they just started sending me insane amounts of product. <laughs> I said, well, this will be our weed unless someone wants to bring something else on the show. Uh, and then when we start back up this fall, um, Dwayne has a connection with the guys from Jeter. So we're going to do some, some Jeter products for some of the shows. <laughs> so it's going to be cool. So basically you just come on the show. If you're the guest, you're in the hot seat and we have a wheel of words that start with the letter D. Right. So the whole premise behind the show is women, wine and weed talk in the big D. So big D can be anything. So you come <laughs> in and you spin a wheel and that's the D word that you have to talk about for the show. And then you get to pick your poison wine or weed or both. Mm, damn. I so <laughs> like I'm, drunk history, but more fun. <laughs> no history. Yo, damn. You just broke down. That show is so fire. Like you guys are hilarious and you really put it all out there. Like y'all, y'all are official. You are really speaking oh, yeah. about your real lives. Like, have, have you caught any blowback from that at all? <laughs> like, I think Lish has because the one episode where we talked about the guy that was DM, like they were online dating and like some of the things he was sending via text. <laughs> I think she got a little bit of blowback on those right, episodes, but right. I think also what I love so much about Lish, she was going, she's going through such a transitional period going through this divorce. Mm. So I think that finally when she was like over the hump and started dating again, it was like, the floodgates were open right. and all these things started happening. I'm like, well, we, I didn't even get to talk to her during the week. Cause she'd like, let's save it for Mike. Let's save it for Mike. <laughs> so I would be finding out about all this stuff while you all were too. Oh man. That's so real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's you know, real. I had uh, my girlfriend, Chloe Ture on who I love her so much. She's big Instagram uh, model, which she la- laughs at that's in her bio. You know, she's got like two or 3 million followers. Um, she just, she's just so beautiful, but she's also so honest. And it was really, and that episode was online dating. We were talking about what not to put yeah, in your profile. Yeah, right? I was listening like, to that. That's what I'm was. like, yo, y'all really, you guys are really talking about your real lives here. <laughs> like, uh-huh. That is real. Totally. Uh, we were I, pulling up the, our, our, our profiles, everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested yeah. though. Like, so on that subject, you know, I got some single friends out there and I try to explain to them um, that wine can be a great tool to connect you with, you know, women. Yeah. I mean, like the thing is like, it is, it's culture. It's having, adding some depth to your personality, you know, like people don't really think of that. Like now from your experience, what is something like a wine thing a dude can do on a date to really cancel himself? cancel himself yeah it's so funny <laughs> like, that like to, most to of my just... guy friends will send me pictures of the menu and be like what do i order yeah like i mean that's when you're friends with the sum that's what you do like what do i order like what's a good wine like i don't want to like be, go crazy but i also don't want to be cheap and i'm like okay we'll get this one um what can a guy do um don't well if you're gonna go on a date and you know that you like wine or she likes wine prepare to spend at least a hundred dollars for a bottle of wine, anything cheaper than that. Um, you, it's probably not going to be that great. 
Um, you don't have to impress her to the point where you won't need to order something that's like $500. Order what you can afford. But if you think about if you're going to at least do two cocktails a piece, that's 80 bucks right there. So minimum, you should plan on spending for a bottle of wine, I would say a hundred bucks. Um, and then know what, find out what she likes to drink. Find out mm. before, beforehand what kind of wine she likes to drink and find a place to go that has that kind of wine. Because if she likes to drink Burgundy, don't go to an Italian restaurant because they're going to have Italian wine. So really just kind of, you know, ask questions. If she's a wine drinker, find out what she likes to drink. If she likes to drink Napa wines, then find a place that has really cool Napa, a list of Napa wines. Um, and I think that is probably how you can mm. avoid being stumped <laughs> at the menu. I, call it. <laughs> I, I got, I got a tip too, man. Cause you know, again, I don't get to, I love speaking with uh, different guests, you know, on wine and hip hop, we have a wide variety of the type of guests we speak with, but I don't get to speak about like, dating and that stuff all the time so i gotta give my my people's a tip out there call ahead at the restaurant drop your name let them know your name on the res and let them know that you've taken a special person out and you yep. want to make sure that evening is special yo they always hook me up every like when i was bring in, you my, in my dating start you know ex- see you know <laughs> you know how it goes and that goes a long long way just be um, like hey i'm uh you know i'm going on a first date and i really want to impress her Boom. Just, they respect it. Table, boom, boom, boom. Especially now, I think, you know, restaurants and people have to also be really aware of this. Restaurants are really short staffed right now. Uh, and I think there's kind of been, and I know this because I was just in Vegas because Vegas is one of the markets I work for um, the wines I rep for the New Zealand wines. And they just, everyone's moving. Psalms are moving from this hotel to that hotel, or they're not in wine anymore. People are in real estate. And it's like, there's been this like huge kind of purge in the industry of people haven't settled back yet. So restaurants are severely understaffed. So if you are going to need special attention or anything like that, or want that, you have to call ahead because that night, everyone's going to be so stressed out. Plus a lot of these restaurants use programs like seven rooms, open table, um, that where they can make notes in your reservation. So when the chit prints out and they give the chit to the server, it will be right there and it'll say what the special occasion is or what they need. So all the notes will be right there. So definitely plan ahead. So that's, that's some game for y'all from summer and Jermaine, you know, FYI, um, you know, you can also take your date to our event that we're putting together where we're both DJing. Uh Yeah, we are going to put something fun together. I mean, as soon as we can safely all, congregate. I mean, right. I'm excited. Um, I'm doing Aspen food and wine this year. I'll be there mm. for the New Zealand winery that I represent Pyramid Valley. Um, so I'll be there for that, but it's, you know, it's, it's going to be half capacity, but it'll be like the first wine festival back after the yeah, pandemic. Seriously. And I'm just so excited, just so excited to be like, hi, that's going to be dope. <laughs> <Have some wine>. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be dope. Um, I got to be honest. So this is my first time I've ever had a conversation with a Playboy Playmate. So I I have to ask, like, you know, you are you are the first. Um, So I have to ask, what was that experience like? You know, like you get a call or email one day like, yo, boom. (laughs) Well, I do. I do talk about this in my podcast. I think it was episode two. I don't remember. I think it was either Shannon Mochler or. I debunked. No, I was debunking Playboy because there's these myths that like, oh, did you sleep with Hat? That's always the first question. Like, no, I didn't. Like, that wasn't a prerequisite to be a playmate. Um, (laughs) But that little, that picture right there, that's Mm. me and the girls in Soho that I actually own the copyright to that picture. What? Yeah, I've seen that picture before. (laughs) Yeah, that's mine. That's so funny. Yeah, I got that. Because there were so many people like, posting it and taking credit for it so i was like i'm gonna copyright this because it's my picture i made i it was on a you know stand everything was on timer like we set this whole up and like it was my idea so i was like i'm gonna copyright it <laughs> so Yo, that's my that picture so um so i met hef uh when i was 20 years old i was in a bar restaurant in la called bar none um which is where the now current bootsy bellows is and um I was at the bar uh, with my sister uh, randomly. I had just moved up to LA uh, from college. I stopped playing volleyball uh, because I, I was a career ending shoulder injury. 
And so I moved up to LA because I had already been modeling for many years before that. I had a cover girl contract in high school. And so I said, okay, well, I'm going to just give modeling and acting a real full go. And I ran into him and he said, hi, how are you? And I said, hi, he's like, I'm, I'm Hef. I said, I know who you are, <laughs> Mr. Hefner. Nice to meet you. Um, I'm like, I, I haven't been hiding under a rock for 20 years. And he's like, you are absolutely stunningly gorgeous. You um, are, do you live in LA? And he, he wasn't hitting on me. He was saying, well, I'm here with my girlfriends. You want to come have a drink with us? And at the time he had four blondes um, and they were all out for the night. And I got really, really close and became good friends, like almost instantly with Brandy Roderick. And and she said, well, why don't you come up to the house tomorrow um, or Sunday? We're having um, fun in the sun. And then we do movie night and dinner. I said, oh, is it just going to be small? She was like, well, there's about like 50 to 75 people there every, every Sunday. I said, oh, so it's like a party. <laughs> so I did. I went up to the mansion and, and I remember sitting there having a glass of champagne and um, have said, you know, have you ever thought of being a Playboy? And I said, you know, I had small boobs. Like this is pre- you know, implants. I got them when I was 35. That was my midlife crisis. I called it. Um, so I, and I had been a high fashion model doing runway. So I never in a million years thought there's no way I'd be a playboy. He's like, well, why don't we, would you do a test shoot? Would you just see? And I said, sure. Why not? I did a test shoot. And a week later, they asked me if I would be miss August, 2000. So wow. that's how that happened. It just was like, I wasn't even 21 yet. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. <laughs> it all it happened very quickly. And I remember my agents at the time at Elite Model Management were bit so against it. They're like, this is going to ruin your career and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make my own decisions. Just watch. Mm. And at the time, there was no social media. So I got a publicist. And I knew there was a story to tell about being the first high fashion model Covergirl contract model to be in Playboy as a playmate, not as a mm. celebrity pictorial. And so I ended up doing a ton of like talk shows. And, you know, I did real time with Bill Maher. And I did, I think I did one at like Conan. And I did all these, you know, presenting at award shows and things like that. It was the only way you could really get out there because there was zero right. social media. There was the internet was just starting to really kind of was to year 2000 so y2k was just yeah, kind of starting exactly. to emerge we were just realizing that like okay yeah, i was the world still i was still i was still dial up aol at this point <laughs> um yeah and so that really kind of got the wheels in motion and i got a meeting with a director by the name of chuck russell uh, who had directed the Ma camera diaz and the mask and he was directing a new movie called the scorpion king mm. uh with dwayne johnson it was his first big movie outside of um, the WWE. And so I screen tested for that. And I got, um, I screen tested for the lead role, but I ended up getting a smaller role. Still, I was totally happy with it. It was the biggest movie I'd ever done. And that started my acting career. So that was just kind of, you know, it was hustle, 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 um, you know, and push, push, push. And I got to a point in my career when, I think I was about 27, 28, where I was just completely burnt out and I wanted to take a year off. And I didn't even realize this until years later when the Me Too movement started, that I had a lot of issues like that on sets. Mm. And oh, I you know, can't even imagine. And you, I think at the time, I just, you get so used to like, no, thank you. And, and you have to become kind of numb to it right. because you, it happened all the time. And, you know, there were instances on certain projects I worked on where it was like, well, you know, I'll give you a role in the next movie. Like, let's have dinner or this. Yeah. And it just got to the point where I just was so turned off by it. So I took a year off and I really just like took a year off and traveled and mm. enjoyed my life and got my shit together, <laughs> grew up a little bit. <laughs> and then and then when I came back into the industry, I booked a really big role in a show called Medium. Uh, with Patricia Arquette and that was and I and I had a great experience it was like just the most incredible directors cast everything so then I was like okay I think I'm more prepared at, to make better decisions and take roles and take projects that I really feel good about taking instead of just working all the time just to work yeah. uh, and then that's kind of where I was on cruise control and then and then when I started D I started DJing Playboy asked me to kind of come back and work for them 
and I started traveling around doing appearances in my bunny costume and doing the DJ thing. And then I became a brand ambassador for Playboy. Mm. Um, Hef took the company private and then partnered with a VC company called Risby Traverse. And they were really looking for um, ambassadors to hire and, and make sure that we're at all the big events that could talk to investors, that could talk to clients. And so I had a very lucrative run um, kind of coming back to Playboy. I spent so many years away from Playboy. And then I came back to Playboy in my early 30s and really spent like a good solid eight or nine years. Mm. Every Super Bowl I worked for them, all their big events, all their big launches. And um, I still am quite close with the company still to this day. I retired. <laughs> <laughs> I hung up my ears, so to speak. But, They're um, the frame. <laughs> yeah, no, they are. I have my costume in a shadow box, believe it or not. My, so yeah, dope. yeah they, so they dope. let me keep it. It was very cool. It was my parting gift. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I tell you, Summer, you are incredible. I, I'm you. I'm I'm blown away. Like I, I gotta say, yo, more slashes than me and, and still killing them. Still killing them. <laughs> and you. and the DJ. Yo, thank you so much for chopping it up with me. This so has welcome. been amazing. Um, yeah, you, you got, you want to give any shout outs real quick? Um, just to all my clients, you guys know who you are. Thank you so much <laughs> for your trust and believing in me and your friendship. Um, also shout out to my, the wineries I rep Pyramid Valley, Smith and Chef. If you guys well, well. like the wine, check them out. PVBUSA.com. <laughs> and, um, just you, thank you for reaching out and, and wanting to hear my my story and and include me in this amazing podcast that you have, so I'm excited to um, hopefully do an event and then next wine with the Wades, you're there. Yes, no, let's let's definitely keep in touch. It it was so great chopping it up with you. I am honored to have you on the show. Thank you awesome. so much. Oh wait, last question: What is your yeah. favorite Tribe Called Quest song? Oh, my favorite Tribe Called Quest song. Mm. Yeah. Let's see. I'm gonna go with um, hmm, Tribe tribe this is a tough one i'm i want to make sure i really think i'll give about you mine this. mine's a war tour oh whew. yes that's that's yeah classic i feel like throwing that on right now <laughs> nah my favorite tribe i would song. say maybe my, my bonita bonita apple bomb you gotta put, gotta me, put me on bonita, bonita. yo um <laughs> it might be can i kick it you know i think can i kick it was was, was such a dope sample um i like that it has Jay-Z that dope intro it. that like yeah exactly. and has that dope long intro where it's like it, it was big before the the synthesizing became a thing uh, they were doing <laughs> that in that intro big time and yeah. i mean their new out al- their newer album like the newest album rather the last one fire that album is like there's not a lot of groups that kind of come back from back in right. the day and can produce on that level and fife was rapping like amazing amazing yeah. album yeah and i mean their documentary too was pretty incredible so it's good to see that like they were able to have the piece they had before he passed away so definitely 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 yo summer thank you so much you are amazing i will definitely be in touch awesome thank you this is another episode of wine and hip-hop peace This was a moment in wine and hip-hop, brought to you by Crew Love.